0: Welcome back to Friends Like Us, Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, Matteo Lane. Matteo Lane was named one of Variety's top 10 comics to watch. And we agree, with over 2.5 million followers across social media, he has shared the stage with the likes of Chelsea Handler, Bob the Drag Queen, and more. And you may have seen Matteo on his own international theater tour. The Al Dente Tour. Matteo can be seen on Netflix's queer stand-up special Standout, as well as the comedy lineup, and has been a guest on Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Late Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and The Late Night Show with Seth Myers. Matteo is a skilled artist and a pasta aficionado. Mateo has also painted a mural for the Obama's headquarters in Chi-Town. But that is nothing on his designing the logo for friends like us. And trained as an opera singer. He's multi-talented, this guy. Don't walk. Run to his new comedy special available for free on YouTube. Mateo Lane Hair Plugs and Heartaches. He's also my Fortnite buddy, but that's for another show. Also welcome back, Pat Brown. Yes, Pat is here. Pat has been seen on CBS's Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Fuse's A Prorius, BET's Comic View. Her critically acclaimed album, The Pat Brown Sex Tape, has been described as provocative and conceptual by Laugh and is streaming on all platforms. You can watch her comedy set also on HBO's Two Dope Queens. I want to thank all of our listeners of friends like us. Because of you, we make some pretty impressive lists. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts subscribe make sure you turn on the auto download function for friends like us on apple podcasts you can email us at friends like us at gmail or instagram is friends like us podcast and twitter is friends like us 10 become more than a friend leave us a tip or donation by going to our patreon page go to patreon backslash friends like us special shout out to our patreon friends it's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage every Monday. Go to patreon backslash friends like us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, tank tops, all available. Go to marinafranklin.com. Weekly on my YouTube channel, I go live with my assistant, Evelyn Frick, my wacky friend, Dave Juskow, we give updates to the show, we shout out fans who leave reviews, and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by. And sometimes, sometimes we offer free stuff, like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone, because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out. Stay safe. Wash those dirty little hands. Wear a mask still if you want to. Be kind. And Black Lives Matter. And welcome to Friends Like Us. I'm Marina Franklin, here with you. Ooh. I'm with some returning friends. You know I make up this song as a go. It's Pat Brown. She's returning. What's up, ho? <laughs> and Mateo Pat doesn't like it. Uh, Mateo Lane, whose special just came out literally like 24
1: hours ago hey guys marina can you imagine if keith robinson was here
2: <laughs> why i'm getting ho Why have, it why just rhymed you? no it's terrible uh actually it's all pat brown let's do it again <laughs> oh, that's she's a funny worse. class comedian oh, you've done pat. and she's been on
0: tour <laughs>
1: <Did that laughs> with either.
0: tracy morgan And he's the hoe. You have to use hoe? Do you you feel like you're compelled to do that? (laughs) We miss you, Pat. It's been so long. Welcome Mm -hmm. back. And welcome
1: back, Mateo. Thanks. Thanks for having me on again.
0: Like I was telling you before we started, I watched your special this morning. And a lot of times, like for me, it's, it's like it's like homework to watch specials. But it was so easy to watch yours. It was so much fun it was like you pay so much respect to just stand up when I watched it and I could tell you're a comedy seller comedian because of the way you performed and you did it at the comedy cellar, which was amazing. It looks so good. Um, Thanks. Can you tell me about this process of basically like what made you decide to do it at the cellar and like producing it on your own?
1: Well, I wanted to call the special originally Mateo Lane. Netflix said no. Uh, and then in parentheses, HBO also said no, because they did. And uh, I was like, you know, it's it's frustrating because I'm having a, a good moment in my career and I'm touring and I'm doing these big theaters. and But I have nowhere to get out this hour. And it was coming to that, you know, that point when your hour is like, it's cooked. Like, I don't need, I need to get out of doing this hour. Like, I need an out of jail free card you know so i am um, i was just talking to schultz i talked to stavros i talked to other people who self-produced and stavros said to me for sure he was like you know you'll get the most eyes on it with youtube and that's what's most important in your career right now and i was like fine you know I, I'm making enough money on the road. I'll just pay for it and, and get it out there and not worry about making the money back. And just, I just want to get these jokes out there and work on my new stuff. So I, that was sort of the process. It was kind of a blessing because now I own everything. I can post whatever I want. You know, Netflix and HBO have rules like you can only post this much or that much. You can't use this, can't use that. So it's kind of nice to just own it. Like I got to make all the decisions on the lighting, on the color, on sound, on, Everything like it was, there was no, if they had notes, they had to go to me. You know, I felt like Anna Wintour. <laughs> and I how think did you, you felt
2: like Anna Wintour before the special? I, you might be right.
1: <laughs> Not in this shirt, but you know,
2: yeah. <laughs> She's never been in that good shape.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and how did you decide on your team? Like along with that, did your experience before with like, I wanted to thank you up top with, by the way, our listeners should know Mateo is responsible for the new logo.
1: Okay, yes, I am. Do you team like the people who made the special?
0: Yeah. Like, how did you decide them and how much of your past experience helps you to make it as good as what I saw was very it looks it looks fantastic.
1: Well, I will say, I mean, I am a decisive person, not to sound like Anna Wintour, but um, I think it's really helpful to be decisive. I know how I want it to look. I know how I want it to flow. I know what I want to say. I know the angles that I look good at. So it was, I I met a bunch of different production companies and I met this, uh, when I met Above Average, this producer named Allie, I just vibed with her. She seemed really confident. She seemed like she knew exactly what she was doing. And then I called my friend Jared, who was filming a movie with them as the production company. He loved her. So then I wanted Jared to direct my special. So it was like keeping it within the family. And um, they were great. They were so helpful and wonderful. And I just said, I want this. I don't want that. I want this. I don't want that. I need this. I need this. I need this. Here's the things I need. Like, you know, I did the advice special, which is a crowd work special. I did a couple like a a year ago is like a test run to see like how to do a special or how it would go online. And I learned a lot from Schultz with that, like how to promote it and how to like people to hire to make posters for you and how to promote it on social media. So, so everything just sort of fell into place this time. It was, it was a, a very smooth process.
0: You know, cause a lot of times I see when people do specials, like, and I'm included is I'll do too much. Like I'll think, Like, oh my God, I well, mine was okay. I didn't do too much, but some people have like a whole set, you know? And yours was just like, like it was a brick wall. It was simple, but it looks so, like you said, the angles were great. The quality is high. I'm confused by why anyone wouldn't want that. I'm so confused by that.
1: Well, I think it's like, as a gay person, I think the expectation from someone who doesn't know you is that, it'll be, I'll be singing or I'll be doing other things that aren't, I just wanted it to be stand up. I didn't want anything else. I'm not here to act. I'm not here to do characters. I'm not here to sing. I'm not, and I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying I wanted this to be so stripped down to stand up, nothing else but stand up because that's what I do every single day. So I think it's in a way refreshing for people to watch because it's not that often you see openly gay men doing traditional stand-up. Um, not that they don't exist, but it's just not as popular as other, I guess, genres, I would call it. I don't know. Um, so I just wanted it to be about the stand-up. Simple as possible. I want zero distractions, just jokes.
2: I think that's also a great idea when um, you are um, breaking open to letting allowing people to see you. And so it's like the number one thing I want you to pull from my special is the stand up, and so I think, right. uh, yeah, like with bigger names or whatever, that you know they can have the, all the pop and circumstance, but because they they have a built-in fan base already, so I think that's smart, right. very smart on your part. But
1: also, it makes it easier for me. Like when I had like Nicole Byer opened up for me in L.A., uh, we always open up <laughs> yeah. for each other, and like you guys really- have
2: great energy yeah, the energy yeah, <laughs> back and forth is so uh, absolutely wonderful. I love Nicole
1: Byer so much and um she was so taken aback by the audience and she was like, "Oh my god, everyone was so well behaved and laughing." I was like I was like I think it's because they oh, I'm only known I'm not for stand up. I'm not mm-hmm. on TV, I'm not in movies, I'm not on Netflix, I'm not on HBO. I I don't have a pop, you know, it's just stand up. That's the only thing people know me from. So people come to my shows and are expecting stand up. So it makes the experience of even doing live shows I think better when you're when you sort of set the bar. I'm like, okay, we're just doing stand up you guys, so like buckle up.
0: And you know, for me watching it, like I learned watching you Mateo. like I was watching someone About having hair plugs.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, back too, I already told you like as going as a woman going through menopause, I am losing some hair on, a well, a lot on the sides and stuff. And that's a whole other thing. But I just would like to have more fun like you were having. Like I watched you just, you were effortlessly, you were genuinely having fun. I've seen like people pretend to have fun. And you even said that in your act. You, you ever seen a comic like, like they say they're going, you know, like they lie and you could tell they're lying. Like you're not pretending to have a good time. You're, you're you've definitely earned that spot to do the hour too so it's like
1: well you know what I said to God. myself I, the first show you know you do two tapings the first taping did not go well oh. I was talking too fast I was nervous and people have a hard time giving you honesty and so I got off and everyone's like great job I'm like I know no it wasn't i'm not i'm not offended by that but it wasn't a good job finally it was liz liz at the cellar walked right up to me she goes what the fuck is wrong with you you're talking too fast i timed you why did you do 37 minutes the first 8 minutes you're talking like a fucking chipmunk slow the fuck down and i was like thank you i was like that is how i i needed that so for the second show instead of worrying about like how i looked or whatever else you know i i literally, and i've never done this i'm not this kind of person but i i Marie condened it where i said to myself, I'm going to thank my jokes because in the past three years, these jokes have paid for my rent, they've paid for my food, they've paid for my gym, they've paid for my flights, my hair, you know, they've allowed me to pay for family members, etc. So I'm going to honor, I'll never do these jokes again. So This is my moment to honor them and thank them for giving me so much in the past three years. And I think that that was how I walked on stage.
2: That actually changed my uh, approach to performing. Uh, I did this about, um, like last year, I, I do a, a gratefulness meditation and I do it, I, I com- combine it with some type of motion. But it actually put me in the, I was talking to somebody like this today and it's like uh, what I read was when you are um, in a state of gratefulness, you can't be fearful. You can't be simultaneously in fear and grateful. So when you're in gratefulness, you're present and uh, you're connected. And so that probably puts you in a very just real place. And because uh, it is, it's, it's been night and day for me. And, and when I've started doing that and it's just like the, the best thing ever. So good for you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I, I I felt that way. I felt when I was in a grateful state of mind, I felt very connected and I was just having fun. I really mm-hmm. was like a different, like a night and day first to second show.
2: Mm hmm. Uh, I was going get- to ask this question real quick, Marina. You didn't think you were having fun in your special or you didn't have fun in your special? You weren't having fun? And why Not didn't you? Not as much you? as Mateo. <laughs> I, would, I had I,
1: streamers on stage with me in case I got bored. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <and> streamers?
0: I, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I did it like like Mateo was talking about, like the two tapings. And I, a lot of our listeners probably don't know. Could you, can you explain why we, we do that? Like I you know, just for safety. Yeah. You, know, you, for do, safety. you film
1: the same hours so that you can use some parts from others in case something goes wrong or you just something wrong. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. So like the second one, I would say I was much looser than the first one too, like on my taping. But I, I think maybe for me, I was not as grateful in that moment. Maybe there was a lot of things going on that I was not sort of happy about. And I think that where Mateo what I really love about what Mateo is doing is that he owns it he's investing in himself he he's de- it's all him and so that's where I, th- that's what I saw coming through and I think like you know it inspired me that's what I learned by watching you Mateo. You want to become a comedian? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Pat. I don't know if I do miss you. Damn. You All the listeners work, are going, Pat. yeah, Pat. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for calling you a hoe, Pat. I'm
1: sorry. I mean, I, You're making me sound much more noble than it really was, and Marina. It was because no, everyone really had good. shut the door in my face. I had no options. But a lot you know? of people
0: and, don't do that. People shut the door in my face, and I don't know if I've rebounded quite that quickly.
1: There was there was a kind of liberation when um there was a liberation when they said no because it was like, you know what? I don't ever have to listen to a casting director again. I don't have to try and suck up to Netflix, I don't have to try and be anyone's friends. Like it actually allowed me to be totally myself. And also in that process I started realizing like comics aren't we're not competitive with each other. It's the people we're auditioning for or casting all, they pit us against each other. Get rid of them. And I don't think there's a more supportive group of people on the face of the planet than comedians. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, it kind of like... I don't know. I also view stand-up as like, I don't see acting as more important. I don't see other, I see stand-up as just as important as being in a movie. I take it very seriously. I've turned down a TV show just because I was touring and I didn't want, and I was building up to the special, et cetera. So I don't know. I I take stand-up really seriously, I guess.
0: Mm -hmm. So Pat, like you're, you're hearing this and are you preparing for a special yourself?
2: I am. And, uh, what I was going to uh, say, Mateo, uh, I think that's the first show that everybody gets nervous because uh, Tracy did his special and he had me open for him for the two shows. And uh, and both of us, it was like we were both nervous. We were both running through our material. The second show, our, both our second shows were just amazing. He had an amazing uh, special and I had a, a, a good 20-minute tw- chunk. You're there. It's the moment, and you're like ah, and then, then the second show's like oh, I can relax now. I can breathe, and so that's how it was, and it was just like really wonderful. But um, he gave me an opportunity to. Uh, I've been working on my material uh, for the last year and a half or whatever, so I'm just ready to put it out there. And I'm like you in the sense that I feel like um, I'll get the nose from the the whatevers, even though I have maybe a connection with him. Because I'm not widely known, but I'm I'm completely planning on uh, uh, self-promoting and uh, and putting it on YouTube because I want people to get to know me. And if that means giving away a special, that's fine, because this is what I do. And I feel like acting helps you get more eyes on you. But the love that has always been for me is stand up. Being a stand up comic has always been my love. And I I tell people all the time, like, I would have quit this long time ago because it was like a drug. And I said, like, unlike like other drugs, um, people would have told you to get off of it by now. You know, Uh, (laughs) he's like, no, get off of it. It's the worst thing ever because, you know, you don't have no money. You you know, uh, you don't you losing teeth. I don't know. All these kind of things. <laughs> but you would have gotten off of it by now. But I enjoy it so much. And it's nothing better to me in the world is to write a joke and have to have to be able to perform it on stage.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's pretty thrilling.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: Well, I also want to ask you, like, because Pat brings up a good point of, like, preparing for a special to put on YouTube. Mateo, you do a lot of work on social media and you, and you spoke to Andrew Schultz, who was helpful. Like, are there any tips that you don't mind sharing about how? Oh, I'll to share sort of... everything. Oh,
1: please. I mean, uh, it, it sounds more complicated than it is, but literally uh, two years ago, I, I couldn't sell a special or tickets. I mean, like I was supposed to do Miami a Thursday and a Friday and the day before they're like, you've only sold 21 tickets. And so I, they canceled, and then a year later, I sold six shows out. Whoa! So, and it was literally because Andrew's like, "Take the hour they said no to, cut it up, caption it, make it look clear, have good cover art, you know." And I'll treat, I'll teach you how to do it. So every for the first month or so, I would send him a video and he would critique it, and I would fix them and then post them. And then you learn yourself sort of what to do, and then um, you know that hour lasted me a year. That's I mean, if I'm doing two posts a week, one post a week, a year, and it just like kept going up and up and up in numbers and ticket sales kept going up and up. And it was like, is crazy. And then eventually, I hired my friend Chris Caso to film, like, we're going to do a cooking channel on my YouTube channel, and then we're going to do stand up. And so he films everything I pay him salary, he gets money off monetization with YouTube. So it's like an incentive for him to also be like, a part of this and working towards this. And I love working with him and he's saved my life too. But it's basically it. It's like, you just sort of schedule things out and we're going to do a cooking show this Wednesday and the next Wednesday, and then focus on up. You know, I, you know, you just kind of work it out. Like it's your own little business, business. But Yeah. But it was crazy. I mean, to see, to go from 150,000 followers to 1 million. Yes. I saw that. Less than two years was a lot. And it, mm-hmm. you, it doesn't dawn on you until you walk on stage and you, there's 4,000 people staring at you and you're like, how did this happen?
2: So, wait a minute. Two years ago, you had 150,000 followers and you're you still only getting 21 people in seats in, in Miami? Really? Because they yeah. were pictures, right? They were just photos? Yeah,
1: I wasn't. it was all me nude. It was you know what's funny? Thirst about photos. That, that, oh, okay. Miami, that Miami story... I went to Miami in January and uh, this Italian guy walked up to me at the pool and in- in Italian was like, are you Matteo Lane? I go, yeah. He goes, you know, I just want to let you know, I knew you were coming to Miami. Uh, like two years ago. And I called the club and I said, or they said, I said, you know, I want to get tickets. and said, well, we think we're going to cancel the shows. And he goes, how many tickets do you need in order for the show not to get canceled? They said 25 tickets. He's like, so I bought 25 tickets to see you and then they canceled it anyways and i was like that is Amazing. so nice and <laughs> such a full circle yeah and then we took pictures at the, at the pool and stuff but i was like oh so he's the one who you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah isn't that
2: crazy
0: that is crazy
2: no, and then think, d- I, does he get I free tickets that's crazy, for life <laughs> wonderful that's crazy like ordinary people fandom crazy like i was reading his book and uh, i think it makes a it, it makes a great point. It's like, you don't want just fans. You want super fans and super fans, no matter who they are, you rather have, uh, you know, six super fans and 60 regular fans, because the super fan will do those kind of things that always tell their friends about you. Those, those six people will get you, you know, 60 to 70 other, just other people filling up your room. So that you want super fans, people that really love what you do. And I think that's—it's just amazing how uh, people are. I love that. I love that story.
1: Yeah, it was sweet. And he was—you know—he's from Italy. He's like, "Allora, Matteo, hey, (laughs) possiamo fare un foto insieme?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course." (laughs)
0: How are you? Are you walking the streets and people? Because I know we went to that Italian restaurant, and this guy comes over, and he was like so starstruck. What? How are you dealing with that? Because like you're a celebrity.
1: I am not a celebrity. Are, I wouldn't be in a one-bedroom if I was. I, uh, Yeah, I, I do get recognized every day. The, this one guy came up to me at the gym today. He was like, oh, my God, Matteo And go, yeah. He goes, where did you get your hair transplants? <laughs> oh, that's so <laughs> I smart. I said, in New York. And I gave him the doctor's name. Um, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I get recognized. It's nice. It's, it's interesting. Like, now I have a boyfriend. And so when we walk around, like, even when we were in Mexico together, before stopping me. Or, to, you know, and he, he, it just, you know, I don't know that that's that can be kind of people take pictures of you like I'm eating lunch and then they take like tag you on Instagram like Mateo Lane's here at lunch. I'm like, God, now I have to have like good posture all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I'm can thinking, I just right? Like,
1: yeah, I'm like, I just want to be a lazy piece of shit. So it's nice. I mean, people only say nice things like no one's like mean or anything. So. Mm-hmm.
0: How did you decide the material that you were like? You you talked about like having fun and like you wanted to be like stand up.
1: Just like, be honest.
0: Being honest. I got hair
1: transplants and immediately started talking about it on stage. Mm-hmm. Just, be, just be totally honest. I just I just I learned that from Lisa Traeger, actually, Andrew Michael to Chicago people that I started with. And I remember being fascinated by watching them literally talking to you and then walking on stage and nothing changed. If they were angry, they were angry on stage. If they were happy, they were happy on stage. Like whatever you are, use that energy with your jokes. And it was just so honest. I remember thinking to myself, like, I really, I really respected that. I really liked that. I don't like the idea of like being like a showman going on stage and changing my voice or changing my opinion on things or you know, just be totally honest and vulnerable. It's kind of healing too.
0: Yeah. I, I love that you said that because I do remember, I won't say who the comic is, but they had said to me, they were having a miserable day and then they went on stage and it was just not, they didn't express any of that. And they were told me, and I was a young comic. They were told me, honey, these people don't come out to see you talk about your misery. They come out to have a good time, but we, you make a good point. Like, We make things funny, so like whatever we're going to be taught, whatever we're going through is relatable,
1: right? And I've I've watched Joan Rivers on stage be angry and happy, and found it both mm -hmm. cathartic and funny at the same time. You know, so just use whatever you have on stage. I'm not saying go on stage and 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 be mean, you know. But it's like if you're angry, that can be funny. People relate to that. People have. Jobs they hate, family members they're mad at, partners they're mad at, and then that anger is like kind of a catharsis.
0: You know, the the only thing I was like, I still do some of my jokes for my special. That Like, I know you said, like, once you do it on TV, it's done. Like, I, I still think, like, I would think some people would still want to hear your particular stories about Nick especially because, well, it's endless, right, with Nick? <laughs> but By the you way, know he, Nick. He just added me on Instagram. It's. I feel like I should. That's like an Oscar. Is Nick your uh, new boyfriend?
1: No, my boyfriend's name is Rodrigo, and he lives in Mexico. Nick is um, an wow. angry. Nick <laughs> is an angry homosexual who sells real estate in New York City, who wears women's blouses, is six foot four, and sounds like Squidward from SpongeBob.
2: Okay.
0: And we all play, we play Fortnite together.
1: We do. We play, we play Fortnite with each other. So Marina knows, she knows how Nick can be. He can be very, um, mean.
0: Yes. But Mm. it's so, it's like, it's a fun mean.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times I
0: agree with him too.
1: Well, yeah. Nick, usually he's like Judge Judy where he does the right thing, but it comes out in a mean way.
0: Mm Mm-hmm yeah but i love the way you do his voice i love your impersonations i love the you know it's just it's definitely one of my favorite specials this year that i've watched and i've watched a few i love wanda sykes i'm loving sarah silverman i need to watch
1: Um, hers i haven't seen it yet
0: a sarah's
1: yes i heard it was amazing oh
0: god you know like just watching sarah like and i was on the road with sarah but just watching it come to fruition on screen It transforms into a different thing on screen, like, you know, sort of like, you know, she's definitely performs to the camera. And there is an actress in her that comes across when she's performing that I I learned a lot from her, too, because, like, I watched one of my sets recently from The Cellar. I'm picking at my face. (laughs) I'm doing I'm doing I'm, I'm basically picking my nose. I don't know what the hell I was doing. I actually told Liz, I said, thank you so much for sending this because I didn't realize I was like, I'm so mm. comfortable up there that I forget, oh yeah, it's a show. you Ooh. you know, you are in front of you know, deliver. So you know, sometimes
1: we get too comfortable, all of us. We're up there and we're like, oh yeah, I'm not in my living room <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> So Pat, so like you preparing for your special, you, I am. You know, and you're hearing from Mateo are there some things that you just like
2: as far as social media that you're going to start doing now or um absolutely uh I feel like um that is where I fall short definitely and um the thing about it is though and and I've been um Talking to other comics that are doing uh, pretty decently on social media, it's just that uh, having a plan and, and and making sure that you execute that plan every as religiously as you were talking about, like twice a week, I think that you said, or at uh, once a week or whatever. Because I have a, a old special that I want to re. Um, uh, a release, re-release on YouTube, uh, which was a really good special that was filmed here and I paid for it and all that. And uh so just so people can get comfortable and with me. And so when I do the next special, then it's like, oh, I had something. It's also uh something that I uh I heard, I read and uh works too. Because like if when somebody finds something of your something older of you or something that uh they just found you And they like you. They want to find more of you. So if you already had one special, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna scour the earth to find something else that's on you or another special. So that is what I'm, I'm I'm betting on. But definitely, this summer is all because I'm off the road now. So this summer is just dedicated to me figuring out my social media plan, what I'm gonna do, and uh, re-releasing that that special. So when I do the next special this fall that they'll have something like, Oh, we like that one. So here's this one. And okay. So that type of thing. So definitely this summer is uh, it's so funny. I have a, I, I have a girlfriend and she's in Charlotte and, uh, and I was just thinking about you. I was like, Oh, I don't feel so bad. Your, your boyfriend's in uh, Mexico. But, uh, uh that we were giving each other our summer goals and that was one of the summer goals is to you know just actually really work on the business of uh pat brown the comic that's so awesome i'll be calling you Mattel. i'll be calling you
1: call pat call me whenever you want please i would love that um and i, and I also- get some
2: tank tops yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i've got tons i've got
1: tons and tons you look got great some golden girls thing. tank tops Whitney Houston tank tops oh you yeah, um, have some
2: golden girl tank tops you gotta tell me where to get that i love the golden girls that is like my all-time one of my favorite shows
1: same i'm obsessed Ooh. my aunt cindy bought me one of my favorite tank tops from target it just had the golden girls on it she sent it to me in the mail i was like oh, i love my aunt
2: I love, yeah
1: but I, I'm, doing, I'm taking the summer off, too. I've been touring for three years. I'm like, share. I'm like, it's enough already. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just, it's enough. Like, actually, I did my last show at the Cellar the other night uh, before I, oh, I go you to are Italy really Thursday. Off, You're
2: not, I'm saying I'm just off the road. But No, you're no, really off-
1: I, I, you I'm going to Italy the- Thursday. So I was like, my boyfriend was in town, and then I go to Italy. So I was like, okay, that will be my last Cellar spot until July. July, then I'll be back at the Cellar regularly. Okay, I got you. But I had five shows that night, and by the fifth show, I was like, I think I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. I need some time away from all of this to just get my brain normal again and but live also, a life, you know?
2: That's what it is. I was about to say that you have to have some life to talk about on stage. And so if you're not, if you're committed all your time to just touring and, uh, and shows, you're not going to create life. So a uh, new life. So, uh, that's good for you. That, that, wonderful. But for me, yeah, it's off the road and uh, definitely just in the clubs now and uh, uh, sharpening my material. I was telling because my girlfriend, she's in Disney with her family and she's like, keeps saying, you know, she'll call me. She's like, our room is ready. i was like, I am not flying anywhere, girl. Uh, you got to come up here. I told you when I'm off the road, I'm off. So come see me. So that was her, her thing It's like, no, not even you. You got to come to New York. I'm not. I'm not traveling anywhere for the next two and a half months.
1: I think that's smart. I mean, people don't realize how much we all travel and it's exhausting.
2: It is exhausting. Absolutely. Oh my God.
0: You guys are okay. Go ahead. But you guys are entering into one of our hot topics about Marlon Wayans removed from United Airlines flight. Did you see oh, yeah. that? Why,
1: but why did he get removed?
0: So actor Marlon Wayans hit out, kicked out at United <laughs> Airlines.
2: Keisha's <laughs> back. No, no.
0: My assistant put hit instead of... That was me going, I got someone to talk to.
2: Okay.
0: Um, Actor Marlon Wayans kicked out at United Airlines following a heated exchange that got him kicked off a flight just Mm -hmm. hours before he was due on stage. The White Chick Star. I love how they do that, by the way. They bring up the credits we may not want them to bring up. But But
1: also from 2001.
2: Yeah. (laughs) He just released the special on netflix and and so they went back to that one i guess it's like Lindsay lohan
1: they're always like mean girls star Lindsay lohan (laughs) that was 20 years ago
0: it's it's like is there a formula where they they do that because it's like they all were doing that um it's
1: called (laughs) shade
0: i think so i
2: absolutely think so yeah yeah.
0: so the white chick star recounted his horror (laughs) travel experience with fans on Friday telling them that he had to miss his performance in Kansas City over checking a bag. And he says, bro claimed I had too many bags, so I complied and consolidated them. He was like, oh, now you have to check that bag. Bye, I'm in seat 2A, come holla. The 50-year-old wrote alongside an Instagram, um, he wrote this while he was posting it on Instagram, they put his age. That's another thing, like,
2: why the 50 year old wrote this but you know what <laughs> it made it seem like the, how he responded and then they threw out 50 year old like he, he responded very really immature it's like the 50 year old said this thing <laughs> it made it sound really uh what he said really sounded really immature when they put 50 year old
0: after a heated exchange with a member of staff, Wayans said he received a citation for disturbing the peace from the Denver Police Department. Wayans, so he Wayans then accused a United Airlines employee of bullying and racism, and he said he had suffered harassment and apologized to Kansas City's fans over social media. So that's what happened. Ooh.
2: You know,
1: White Girls was a was a White Chicks was a wild movie. That's okay. what I.
0: He uses the clips uh, from the White Chicks at the end to sort of like bring I, it back.
1: My my ex, uh, who's from Venezuela, he used to love that movie. He's like, he's so funny. I was like, you know,
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, but do you think this is legitimate? Like he says, this was harassment. And I will make enough. He sounds like a Karen, actually. And I will make enough noise to be sure all my friends and family and peoples stop flying at United. This will be a corporate matter. Black people, all kinds of race.
1: Anyway,
2: I won't allow this. (laughs) It sounds like he didn't get his way. Yeah, I, I sound like this, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just from the sheer number of miles that he travels and you don't hear stuff like that about him. I don't know him at all, Uh, but I'll just give him the benefit of the doubt because, uh, you know, sometimes they can be a little, you know, particular about bags and stuff for certain people. But um, and when I say certain people, I'm just saying not knowing that he might be a somebody that's in first class because they definitely treat you shittily. When you're not, but in everyone perfect. knows
1: who he is. That's the crazy thing is like everybody seen, knows everybody
2: to see white chicks. <laughs> I did not see it. I personally made it a point. Maybe they were
1: surprised he wasn't a white chick, and they were like,
2: <laughs> this So, can't I'll give a little bit, a bit about he, the, him and the agent. Mine and I've seen eye to eye on something or whatever because it happens. I mean, tone or whatever, and then. They're both traveling. So, the, you know, the, the agent, you know, could have been in the air a long time, too. And so I just like it could happen to the degree that like you like you want to start a this is the only problem I have. You want to start a movement because somebody was rude to you. You want to say uh, everybody don't fly American Airlines because this one person was rude to me on this certain day at this certain particular time. That person could have been having a bad day, too. So it happens. And so that's the only that's the only thing I would have fought him for is like making it at some type of, uh, you know, this is Martin Luther King moment. Man, get out of here. It's just a real yeah, person People do day. have
0: bad days. Yeah, yeah you're exactly. Right. Now, Stace is saying, I have 2.5 million miles on United and will say some of those ge- agents get a little full of themselves. You know, the saying powers like jam, the less some people have, the more they have to spread it around. Just glad my conflicts with those United folks don't make headlines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, mean, I
1: usually fight Delta.
0: <laughs> I, oh, you know what? We had someone on who asked, What is up with Delta people? They are so protective of. I love Delta on a level
2: that hey, is. Hey, I'm with you. I'm a right. Delta too. I, I, I don't know. They got I, me my points, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm with them. I'm going with you. I'm, with I'm you. not. I, I,
1: as of late, they there's. I mean, I've noticed some slipping. Uh, but y- yeah, I mean, I I told Jessica Kirsten at, when I you, you pay for first class seat, and then the way they hand you the food is like they hold the tray at the front of the plane and then just throw it at you. I was <laughs> like, Man. you know. But I'm always nice. I'm always that. And you know, a lot of the flighted. It- <laughs> a lot of the flight attendants recognize me and they're very nice to me and i take pictures and stuff so like i'm always nice but sometimes you get on the flight and i'm like like i got i flew JetBlue. i was like i'll fly mint like mint's nice you know and it's cheaper I like so I
2: flew... are you about to say something uh about JetBlue? yeah
1: the the flight attendant <laughs> i t- was it was as if i screamed like the worst thing at her or like, like, like ripped her scarf off and stepped on. Like I, I can't imagine like what I literally sat down and she came over and she was like, lunch. And I was like, what did I do to you? You know what I mean? So I got, I got her, I charmed her. You know, I was like, I'm going to work through this. We're going to work through this together. You know, I'm not going to yell at her. And I said, Oh, I said, well, what would you prefer? Is there anything you like? And she was like, I mean, the lasagna. I was like, well, I'm definitely getting the lasagna. Look at my mustache. I was like, but I'm worried. About this <laughs> and then she started to, like, laugh. You know what I mean? And then, then I was sort of, like, on her good side for the rest of the flight. But I watched her slap another person. I mean, it was rough. I'm teasing. I'm joking. I'll, I'm joking, you guys. But <laughs> let me
2: say this, too. So, uh, also, uh, come on. Let's honestly admit that a lot of first-class people are buttholes. And so, you know, they treat them like they're servants, and uh, without you know due respect, so you know it goes both ways. I think, uh, but you can be a little tired of uh, you know that that first class type of entitlement that comes with the sure. law. yeah,
1: but they don't know me for Moses. They don't know how often I fly first class if someone bought me this seat, and I'm being nice. I'm saying you know,
2: yeah. Well, I'm not saying there's justification for her being rude to you. I'm just saying that uh, a lot of times they are, people are being rude to them and sometimes oh, as humans we react and What's it's been biggest, on like,
0: oh. extra this whole year we've seen nothing but flight attendants just had have had enough i am mm-hmm.
1: always i even though i'm like i'm complaining behind their backs which is i think um, What was Kathy Griffin say? She was like, I was raised right. I talk about people behind their backs. (laughs) She's like, I never understood in the real world. Like if you want to say something to me, say it to my face. She goes, I'd rather wait until you leave the room. It's freer for me. (laughs) So, but I've never been mean to a flight attendant. I've been so nice. One time I got my chair didn't work. You, You pay all this money. My chair didn't work. My TV's so small. It's like I've got cataracts. The food was horrible. And I just said they came by I was like, I was like, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, I'm going to be honest. I'm like, it's just, I, I fly every week with Delta and these, this, it this is rough. It's a seven hour flight and I have no TV. He's like, we fucking hate these flights. I hate them. and I can't wait till they get rid of these planes. I'm so sorry. So he kept bringing me snacks.
2: Oh, well that happened you know, to me too. To- oh. oh. That happened to me too. Uh, the, we were coming to red hat back with Tracy and, uh, and my television didn't work, and then something else did happen, and whatever. And then the guy just came back there. He said, I am so sorry all this is happening to you. And he just gave me points. And I am like, Oh, nice. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can you can turn it around every
0: now and then. I never do, but it's good when it happens.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> <trying to> <laughs> I don't. Oh, Marina. <laughs> Maria knows herself so well. I never do.
0: Um but <laughs> I you know you <laughs> you brought up such a good point about like comedians that like Kathy Griffin and you know this is Pride month and I'm just curious because now we have cuz I, I was Griffin having this gay. Okay. Well, I was just I was saying like
1: <laughs> she's a, she's the queen of the gays. And I was dudes. having this
0: conversation with like just recently like with Mugga and with uh God, I'm forget who else oh, Sarah Contreras. and they were talking about how there's like everyone is so sensitive now, you can't say certain things. And I was like, well, no, there, you know that's while that's true, there's also a, a, a new crop of comedians who are at the table now. So we've got to recognize that and understand that they're they're at the comedy seller table now, whereas they weren't before. And so and then I have this article about inside the UK's first LGBTQ comedy festival, we can finally make jokes at our own expense. So uh, and they're talking about how it feels, you know, that even today, organizers are reluctant to sign up, you know, more than one queer act at a time. Some of the largest comedy platforms in the world, such as live stand up comedy specials on streaming services, are being dominated by the likes of Dave Chappelle, Rick, Ricky Gervais, who seem intent on punching down Against trans people specifically, where do you feel that comedy is going for for your community? And who was who inspired you? Like, because I'm thinking, like, was there anyone that stood out to you that could speak to what you know
2: you're doing now? I mean, as a gay comic, is that what you're asking? Yes, go ahead.
1: Um, a couple things. One, I think even though we may not agree with what everybody says, we do need different voices in comedy. I'm not saying I agree with it, but it's like, you don't want to go in a museum and look at the same painting in every room. You know, some people have different life experiences and speak on those life experiences. Now that has nothing to do with punching down to people, but I also, I do not believe in controlling people's speech. So the only thing I'm in control of is what I say And I tend to just sort of lean on things that have happened to me that I can speak about that have happened to me. I don't feel comfortable getting involved in other people's businesses that I don't know anything about. I mean, a lot of time when you hear jokes like that from people like that, usually it's just because they're not educated. And by educated, it's like, how many people in your life are trans or are black or are Latino? or are So if the numbers are really small and you have all these high opinions about it, Something tells me that it has more to do with your own insecurity, but I can't psychoanalyze all these people. All I can do is say what I'm going to say on stage and hope that that permeates out there for people who need to hear it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, and then my other thing too is people who I, I never saw a gay man do stand up till I was 23 years old. I'm not saying that they weren't, there, it was not available to me in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. I never saw a gay man do stand-up. I've seen Ellen, I've seen Rosie, I've seen Wanda, I've seen Margaret Cho. I've seen seen tons of queer women, um, not once. The first gay man I saw do stand-up was Bill Cruz. It was a an open mic in Chicago. So I didn't think it was uh, available for me. I didn't think that stand-up was something that was available to me as a gay man. I thought it was like sports or something. It was like this thing that was... Gays were the butt of the jokes. You are not welcome. And I was really... I really surprised myself when I started doing stand-up. I was doing it with predominantly straight people. And I really was surprised at how people in comics don't care about your sexuality. They care about how funny you are. And um, I mean, I've gotten the sly comments here and there. But uh, yeah. And the first person I ever heard speak positively about gay people in my life was Kathy Griffin. Mm -hmm. I never heard anyone say anything positive about a gay person who wasn't gay. Ever until Kathy Griffin, I was fifteen. So imagine my my the psychological damage that that does to you. So you have to wait till twenty three years of your life to see that it's possible you can do stand up? It was wild,
2: All right? Uh, for me, I would say that um, what I battled when I first started, I didn't. Uh, I'm older than you, uh, Mateo, so I definitely didn't see anybody gay doing stand up, and so. I wanted to do stand-up And so it was just in me. My mother's funny. My father's funny. I just, it was just something I just felt, uh, compelled to do, but and it was all male, majority, all male. And so what I just tended to do, and I, I, fi- I found like I was the advocate for the point out things that were misogynist or point out things that were homophobic and trying to do it in a way that, uh, <laughs> didn't make people think I was gay, but although everybody probably thought I was gay, but, uh,
1: um, <laughs> <laughs> we're always the last one. We're, we never think they know. until yeah. like. Oh, no, I, t-o. I, I
2: think, you know, a lot to a, to a degree. And I'll say this just from coming from know. because I was a black, yeah. black woman. And I knew, uh, I was semi-attractive. And so it didn't matter for men. It's like, if you're, if you're gay or whatever, that's if you're attractive, they're still gonna try to hit on you, they're gonna still try. But uh so it wasn't that. It was more that um, I wasn't comfortable yet being who who I wanted to ultimately become and I didn't have any role models. For me, Ellen was funny, but she wasn't my role model. She was a white woman and they had different rules. Uh I didn't see anybody like me uh, doing stand up. So And then I was in the Bible Belt when I started. So when it came down to, and I start saying to myself, you know, I'm having relationships and I want to just be open. And I felt like I was a very honest person and it was just killing me not to be just, myself on stage, who I was. And so I said, that's why I was going to move to New York and I was going to be ultimately out when I got here. I wasn't going to pretend anymore. And so that was my thing. It, was, it wasn't was necessarily because I saw anybody. It's just that uh, I wanted to be out. But the thing that I love about where we are now is that a lot of just Women and and men can talk openly about their experience about like from, you know, like if you're 15 years old and you're gay, uh, you don't have the backlash that, you know, of uh, you might have some of it, but you definitely have more. You also have people that are advocating for you or supporting you, too, where when I was gay at 16, I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't feel like I could tell my best friend. So uh, that's what I'm happy about. And I'm happy about like even. With Dave Chappelle and his transphobia, I feel like there is a backlash to that. It's like people growing up, like, well, I have friends and I have family that are gay, and this doesn't, this feels old timey to me. That's the thought of, you know, somebody can be de- be this hateful in the sense that you're saying it, like, oh, I'm, I love these people, but I don't want them to exist, basically. Um, so I feel like the backlash to that, to his his special. Was good. It shows that we're we're changing, and uh, our sensibilities are changing. What we expect is changing from our society, and I, I feel like that's wonderful. Everybody's not going to change, and uh, Dave Chappelle is a fifty-some year old man. So you know, he's at this point in his life where he's you know yelling at people to keep off his lawn. So uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so it's, it's it's time for a new um, breed of comic to talk about what they, whatever they want to talk about. And I think that's wonderful. I love, and I'll be using that. I love what you said about, it's like you go to a museum and you don't want to see the same painting all the time. So. Yeah.
1: And, and sometimes, you know, hearing people's uh, different opinions, whether you like it or don't like it, at least I know where they stand. I will take truth over lies any day, even if I don't agree with it. I just, mm-hmm. I'd rather you be honest with me, but I think especially all three of us here are used to growing up and hearing um horrible opinions about who we are just as people that mm-hmm. at, at some point in your life, you can't let that control you anymore. I'm in no. control of what I say on stage. I know that I have a spotlight on me and I'm just going to try and do the best that I can. I'm. That's all you can do.
0: I that's love true. that. So then do you find like questions about like Dave Chappelle, like should stop like in interviews, like when people ask, like you were just saying, it takes the spotlight away from you.
1: I'm not, I'm not so worried about that. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, I think it makes sense why people are curious about it, but it's, it's, it's a stupid question, usually by like a straight reporter or something right. where they say, what do you think of Dave Chappelle? And it's like, what do you, what do you think I'm going to say? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you'd have to be real stupid to to think that I'm going to be like genius, you know, and it, by the <laughs> way, <All right>. Dave <laughs> <laughs> you know, but and I want to say, by the way, Dave Chappelle is a great stand-up comedian. There's mm-hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But mm-hmm. what he's chose to focus on in the past couple of years, you know, it's not for me. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, Pat, where it's like, you know, it really, it's not so much that it's like condemn him. And this and that, it's just like the the worst part for him is that it does date him. Mm-hmm. It does make him look like he's, um, seems old. Yes, you know what I mean. And I'm not saying yeah, that they stop, to- stop evolving.
2: Stop right. evolving, and they sh- also lazy. I was well, telling the them that too,
1: it's like I, if I talked about McDonald's seven specials in a row, people would be like, "The fuck, dude! We already heard your McDonald's jokes." Like this mm-hmm. guy, it's like you've said what you needed to say, or you felt you needed to say already. Mm-hmm. I'm tired.
0: When things evolve in the world as a comedian it is a gift to us because now you have to craft the joke you have to really think about it don't be lazy with the joke and i and i was hearing some older comedians and i'm just like you just sound it you're not only wrong but you just sound dated and stale yeah. mm-hmm. and so like figure That's the it bigger out
1: fear for me by the way the offensive thing is like whatever you know what i mean we are always mm-hmm. going to be walking the line we're always going to be, you know, whether we think we're not. There's always, you know, comics. It's our natural instincts to just how close can I get? But to sound dated is my biggest fear.
2: It's like you, you a guy walking around in some pleated cartu- uh corduroy, the teachers, like high school <laughs> teachers. Pants. And you like <laughs> to yourself? You, you still have them. <laughs> right. You still have these. So that's you still have these notions, and and now you try to. You try to justify these old notions, but uh, and I think it's already been proven out that those uh, the ideas that you have about gay people uh, and trans people, it you know, it's, it's coming from a place not based on any knowledge and definitely zero. no, no science, zero um,
1: knowledge.
0: So now we have the president, President Joe Biden, on Thursday blamed extreme officials pushing hate bills for the onslaught of attacks against the LGBTQ community and pledged that gay Americans would always have the support of his administration. Biden's remarks came as his administration says it is taking a series of steps to counter the legislative attacks in GOP led states. I hope he's not actually
1: taking steps. He might fall.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think Joe Biden calls gay people? Happy, <laughs> happy people that happy funny, Like his, that his, funny his guy old down timey like way of saying what's up, somebody's gay or whatever, whatever. He still holds on to, it and it does in his mind he doesn't. It doesn't sound. He probably it sounds nice he, to him.
1: He probably says we still mince. He's like they're mincing around tables, and you know. <laughs> He's so his idea of a gay person. No, look, for a man in his early hundreds, he's very evolved in this in the sense of, you know, you should be fighting for citizens' rights. I mean, what is mm-hmm. this? Like, this is an expectation. This is why we marched and we voted. Is so that you would someone would do something. I do really feel um you know, I I it just it we're in a very horrible time right now where it's like I, I it's all gays were trans drag queens it's like it's so it's such an easy target for these stupid religious people but I really blame CNN Fox and MSNBC I think I think they have a huge responsibility all of those networks and all three of them spend their times keep talking more shit about the other and it's all about the other and it's all about the other and it has very little to do with real news. And it gets people so riled up and so angry and so heated that people lose track of the humanity. We only see people as political issues, you know, so people aren't even seeing trans people for being people because they're told by Fox or CNN or whomever else. It's like, this is a political stance. And it's like mm-hmm. it's it's not. We have to stop looking at life as everything is to, uh, on the ballot. We have to look at life as in these are human beings. Everyone is a human being. People you don't agree with and people you do agree with, and let's start meeting each other in the middle. Because if we see each other for being a human, then we're probably going to be a lot less angry towards one another. But right now, it's just such an easy scapegoat for people to get votes and for to get ratings and to get views and this and that and. I'm, All these politicians who are just saying we hate trans people and and drag queens and all this stuff and trying to rile people up and make laws about them, they don't realize that this political topic, they have families, they have a mom, they have a dad, they have wives, they have husbands, they have kids, and you're ruining people's lives. And it's sad. It's sad that that's how, uh, from the outside of America, we look so desperate and so like destroying ourselves from within. It's sad.
2: Yeah, I will say this well about that. Um, I feel like the the, and I agree with you about the news because I feel like the news doesn't actually uh, report news; uh, they make news. But uh, I, I think this is always this has always been going on. This has absolutely always been going on, and it's just another politician that grab that grab the banner of like a, a, a social issue that. Let's rally around this. They did this uh, when the uh, Bush did the whole, uh, don't say gay bill, uh, not Bush. Bush did uh, the. You're talking about DeSantis? No, I'm talking about Bush when he did a bill. I remember when they. uh, It was like a
1: family first or some bullshit
2: couldn't make sure that you couldn't get married. And uh, so I remember they came to black churches and they actually paid black churches for pastors to talk about that in their pulpit about, you know, not uh, making sure that uh, people didn't get married and how, you know, and how sinful it was that gay people would want to get married. I feel like this has always been going on. But what I what they don't report is the backlash of all these bills. People are actually protesting these bills. People are actually coming. That's the thing that you start to think that, oh, uh, this is what people want. And it's not. that's not the case at all. People are actually fighting against these bills. And uh, people are actually fighting against the Don't Say Gay bill. That people are actually fighting against, you know, banning uh, books and CRT and all that stuff. But you, they're not reporting on the backlash. And that's what I have a problem with. And getting back to Biden, I just. Biden, uh, I don't think he should run, but if he weren't runs, I'll definitely vote for him because Biden made me um, what I will forever love about him. And it was a a video clip or something. Oh, no, I think it was a letter that he wrote to his son, his son that, you know.
0: Oh, yes, uh, I remember that. Yeah,
2: and about, his you tears know, and yeah, and his, 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 his drug use. And he was so... Human. And I, He was so human. He just loved him. He just didn't know what to do. But it's like, I'm going to be with you. I'm supportive. And me as a uh, a person that has, you know, uh, substance abuse, uh, abusers in my family. And I understood that. And I also understood in the way that how my mother loved me when I told her I was gay, too, is like, I don't understand this thing. I don't understand it. I don't understand what it is, but I, I do know you and I love you. And I feel like that he conveyed that to his son in that, in that letter. And he will always have my, my admiration for doing that. But, and maybe that's why he can understand LGBT people and whatever, because like, if I love you, if I care about you, I might not know what it is to be on drugs. I might not know what it is to be different but I know I love you, and I know that comes from a real place, and I have to honor that, and that's what I'm honoring every day when I'm trying to show you that I care about you, and I'm trying to get you well, or uh, I don't see the the world doesn't see you like I see you, but I want to honor you because I love you, and I know you are a a, a loving human being. So um, he would always have my support, just for that. What? I don't know why.
1: Do you know what popped in my head throughout this whole conversation? Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is Melania Trump?
0: Oh, I've been wondering I've been wondering where she's been this a lot. Like she's been she's just angry.
1: She's probably yeah. just
0: off. Like doing she's like, you know what, fuck this motherfucker. I'm gonna she's take like, care I'm going of Baron. Back to Slovenia. I'm gonna take care of my son. Make sure She's not good. going back to
2: Slovenia. She has tasted America. <laughs> she is not fucking going back to Slovenia. She's in Miami right now.
1: <laughs> right. She's living she's it just, up in Miami. She's
2: living it up in, with a pool boy and uh, just having a great old time. And uh, Brandon's like, who's that man? Don't worry about it, son. <laughs> well, you, just <laughs> just so you know, it says in USA
0: Today that Biden is regarded as the most LGBTQ friendly president in history. Mm. I thought that was interesting that they put that in there. When they talk about Biden, like that's one of the things I get nervous as a comedian, when I see comedians talk bad about Biden or any jokes about Biden, because I'm like, the alternative is really not good. Um, And so politically, I just don't want to trash. Even if I say a little bit about him in a way, I'm like, no, 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 don't get me wrong because the, The bullet points of what he's done is good.
1: To Pat's point where it's like, why aren't we boasting and celebrating all of these wonderful things that have happened or laws that have been passed or legislation that's been passed or things that, you know, the Democrats are trying to do. Instead, we just focus on what Fox News is saying and Trump. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, this is we're our own worst enemy. That's why you got to watch. You got to watch PBS News Hour. That's the only news that I watch.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is good. Yeah.
1: It's just the news.
0: I mean, I guess I'm, you know, a part responsible for putting like articles like, but I do find this interesting. This Facebook is loving this man's honest depiction of drag queen story hour and like people's perceptions. Like they keep throwing that. By the way, I I would say
1: the percentage of drag queens that want to read a book to a child is probably (laughs) so fucking small. I love that this is national (laughs) news. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. It's it's national news. I, I... no, a plethora of drag queens. And their number one goal is not to impress a four-year-old. They don't tip. <laughs> so I don't understand. <laughs> <They> don't tip. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> like, I don't so understand how we got here that like the Republicans think that like the agenda of the drag queen is to read them Dr. Seuss. Like that's crazy to me.
2: Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how few. drag queens read to kids. It's just so horrible because uh, if you actually have a conversation with somebody that's genuinely opposed to drag queens uh, reading to kids and you start asking them questions like that. The article made mention of is like, you have these kids in, uh, little girls dressing up in, you know, these, uh, pageants and they all made up like that. And you don't, you don't have any problem with that. Or do you have problems with cheerleaders, teenage girls wearing these scantily dressed outfits? And you're talking about grooming and what's, what are we doing to our, our young women? But see, sometimes, 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 Pat, the problem with that
1: is that's the response they want. We're giving into their game, right? You can't make it. In in other words, it's (laughs) like they're going after drag queens because it's easy. And here's my my theory behind it. Not that the the issues you're talking about aren't issues, but whenever someone says drag queens can't read to kids and it's over-sexualizing people, the response from our side is always logic. We have to sometimes, I think now from the future, like our response to them should be, we should call all of them faggots (laughs) (laughs) and move on with our day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God.
1: What a build up to a joke that did okay. You know what I mean? (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, but it's like the sexualization of children is like, uh, if you're so against that, then why do we have all these other things that, you know, you have no problem with? Uh, I agree with you because we definitely do overthink it as Democrats and uh uh fine but it's just like come on, you you can't be that stupid and yeah, people can be very much that stupid. So
1: everyone's an idiot. I mean we yeah. see this every single night on stage. You ever ask someone what they do for work, they panic. <laughs>
0: Well, Target is facing backlash and controversy over removal of LGBTQ plus Pride products in 2023. In June, most companies show support community by releasing or including Pride products, logos, as a part of their marketing. Some companies use the profits to support the community, while others are rainbow washing. Rainbow washing, if you didn't know, refers to when companies make superficial gestures in order to sell something, whether that be selling products with rainbow colors, changing a logo to incorporate rainbow theme, but the company itself isn't supporting its queer staff or consumers. This could be donating to anti-LGBTQ plus organizations or political campaigns, not hiring or supporting queer employees or not donating any money to support the community. Now, now all companies rainbow wash. In fact, several big brands have donated profits from their Pride collection to support. Um, they've mentioned: is it Tiva and Abercrombie and Fitch have donated? Oh, Nike- Tiva,
2: that is a shoe of a lesbian. And so, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> uh, they Nike, better, su- <laughs> they better give back.
0: <laughs> Nike sold their Be True sneakers. And they donated $625,000 to, uh, you know, grant recipients. But Target has faced backlash because after the criticism for their 2021 collection, the company hired a team. You know, they, um, I guess they started something. They had a trans-inclusive clothing and pride wear. And then they removed the items because... Um, people were they got a backlash threats impacting our team members sense of safety well-being while working i don't yeah this doesn't make sense like were they really in trouble there the staff that's what i wonder if you ask this have we asked the staff at target if they really felt like they were threatened at work that's what they're saying that's why they're removing the items because they felt like the staff was being attacked.
2: Oh, I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly because we already saw it with you know, the airlines during COVID and wearing masks and all that. That's people are um people are ridiculous with their up outrage. So I'm seeing that, but also And,
1: and where do we get this outrage from?
2: Absolutely. The news? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I agree with you totally. But yeah, people are absolutely uh 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 terrible when it comes to their imagined outrage about um a rainbow colors and it's just crazy because what happened last year and gender fluid bathing suits that's what they
0: were they expressed outrage over
2: what's, what's a gender fluid bathing suit i've never seen one I don't, I'm not, i'm just wondering what that is is that a I don't know. Is that a sw- is that swim trunks without the bra top or what? I don't know.
0: <laughs> I have no idea. I've never seen one. I guess it's just like anyone could wear it. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I guess it's optional. It's like that section. Kim Kardashian
1: bathing suit. She says it fits any woman of any size. And then this plus size woman put it on. She was like, if I went to the beach wearing this, I would be arrested. <laughs>
0: Well, I think the problem is, is that they put things away, like kind of like Amanda Gorman's poem, like when they like this fake outrage is like what Mateo was saying, like, right. And then they shelve things. And I think that's what's upsetting to me is like, like even the beer, I guess they had someone drinking beer. I don't know what happened. That that whole story just bothered me and I tapped out of it.
1: Bud Light had a trans woman as their pride, I think pride. Um representative representative is that the word I want? What's the word I'm thinking of? Um and people were outraged and shooting their Bud Light beers and da 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 da. It should
2: have been outraged because it should have been white claw. That person (laughs) (laughs) It shouldn't have been Bud Light. (laughs) It should have been white claw. That's so funny. Yeah, um. Oh, I love you, Pat. Well, you know, the thing
0: that I, I also think you're right on, Mateo, is like how they present the news because, like they're saying here, since May, Target has not released any news statements, but shares in companies have dropped over 2% and have lost $13.8 in stock. Some outlets like Fox News have reported those losses are due to the Pride collection. Not true. But others like CBS News emphasize the losses are a part of a large wave of retail. Like I watch stocks daily, so I know this has nothing to do with this. I
1: knew Marina was going to find a way to talk about the stocks. Yeah. She couldn't wait.
2: <laughs> I to bring it, it up. So you're you're saying people are just, you're saying they were uh, uh realtors are just losing money in general.
0: Uh, realist- is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like um most stores actually um, are losing Retail. Retail. So, like, Target, Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, they you can see all the stores have been closing. It's not just because of, you know, Pride Month or someone had a gender-neutral bathing suit, but it's like the way they frame it is they want to point the finger at a group of people for whatever reason, and it's just not it's not right it's not should just
1: outlaw 24 hour news cycles I, no one needs the news 24 hours a day it's oh, enough it was the already. worst thing
2: it was I the worst do. thing that happened I watch it too hour. much yeah it's too much it's too we much it too and it's much all is and it's all negative it's all bad and it's all about trying right. to get a emotion because we've already figured out the agor- algorithm keeps you on there longer if you are outraged we figured that That's out right. and so the news is uh, following the suit Keep you outraged. Keep you tuning in. Some fun
0: question. Well, one fun question I have is for you, Mateo, is, I mean, something that I've been thinking is, you know, I learned a lot from you with cooking pasta.
1: Oh, go on.
0: Like, I didn't know that you (laughs) should. (laughs) I didn't know that you should take the, the,
1: the,
0: the sauce from the pasta and put it into your tomato. Like when you're cooking the pasta, the water.
1: Oh, la la cultura. Yeah, you have to take, well, it depends on the dish, but generally speaking, pasta water, look how excited I got. Pasta water uh, helps combine. So I think a lot of Americans think pasta is like a sponge where you throw a sauce on top. The Italians view it like a steak. So it should be cooked perfectly. And then you only have a certain amount of pasta. The pasta, by the way, is the star of the show, not the sauce. The sauce is there to complement the pasta. And really? only certain pastas should be cooked with certain sauces. So you don't just mix any pasta with any sauce because that's not what it's there for. So a good way to make the pasta stick to... Diane's had to a, a to, lot
2: of time on her hands.
1: <laughs> we're in that <laughs> peninsula. We've got no, We're not colonizing. We're not at war <laughs> you know what i mean like
2: is li- focused on the pasta they were <laughs> disco we, disco dancing yeah it's true, we, That's true. We, That's true. We, they love disco we can conquer the world with pasta trust me is it conquer- visionary
1: <laughs> like spain spain and england portugal they all colonized france they all colonized you know they went to war they had like the it, Italy were like, look, we had ancient Rome, we're tired. So, you know, <laughs> for the next, and there's, I and mean, it's a peninsula. So they're, they're not surrounded by any other country to tell them like, can you guys focus? So like, you know, they're just left to their own devices and they're just, they really, they got, they got down fashion, they got down cars, they got down food, they got down sex, they got down uh, opera, you know, they really kind of worked it out culturally.
2: Culturally. Absolutely. Yeah. What you do with your pasta now? Oh, so sorry, oh, real sorry. quick.
1: You, you oh, want to make you the sauce that. stick to the pasta. You <laughs> take a little bit of the pasta water that has all that starch in it. And, and then it bring, the it it, bring it into into your sauce where you bring your pasta and cook it all together. So that way it helps stick. Yeah, because
0: okay. I didn't know that. I started doing that because of Matteo. Actually, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Rocco, who's a comedian in L.A., he probably has his own like stories because he's very serious about his pasta cooking and his sauce. And
2: is and he also meat. Italian? Yes. Mm -hmm.
1: His name is Rocco. I can't imagine him being like, my Irish dad and I go to the bar and have some drinks.
0: He gets crazy with Joe DeRosa about the way he does. Like Joe DeRosa
1: has no business speaking about (laughs) cooking because he said that mozzarella doesn't belong on sandwiches. What a nightmare of a human being.
0: What is your favorite pasta dish to cook?
1: Carbonara. Carbonara or... Maybe a madrishana, but Carbonara, I think, is so good. Ugh. How many
0: languages do you speak, Mateo? Oh, look at that. He's, good.
1: I mean, fl- fluent in English and Italian. I would say, I would English, say, fluent come
2: on. In, well, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Not with this Chicago accent. Um,
1: Spanish and then some French and German.
0: Wow. You're so talented. My God. I mean, you too, Pat. So, um, I'm joking, you know, Pat, you're brilliant. Um, we do have to get out. I want to thank you both so much. This has been an amazing episode that I'm sure many will be so thankful that they're listening to this. It's, it's, it's one of those episodes that's going to help people actually. Should um, we tell them to go to Target? No. Are we... (laughs) Okay. I should say, boy ask for the it? neutral, the gender neutral bathing suit. If i you like do, the go.
1: G- gender neutral bathing suit, please. Target. Please
0: ask for it. So okay. Mateo, where can our listeners find you?
1: You can find me at MateoLaneComedy.com. And for my new special, Hair Plugs and Heartache, available on YouTube, free friends like us. Use your pasta, water for your pasta to make it really good and creamy. Don't use milk and carbonara. Thank you.
0: Ooh, yes. Pat, thank you so much. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you?
2: Patbrownshow.com and uh, all things Pat Brown Show on uh, Instagram or Twitter. Friends like us, you don't have to worry about somebody telling you to get off their lawn.
0: That's true. Well, no. That's not true for me. Oh, right.
2: <laughs> so maybe not. But
0: yeah. yes. So thank you. I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I will tell you, get off my lawn. I actually wrote a letter this morning because they were playing music in the back and I was like,
1: cut it out. Marina is the only person in Manhattan who thinks she lives in the the hills of Connecticut. It's so
0: beautiful back. I was just telling um, my friend Lois, I said, I get to see the seasons change outside my window In the wintertime, it's like no green, no leaves, no nothing. I can't walk around naked because I can see the other people's windows. But in the summer, it's like full blue. It's like it's a whole like ecosystem out there. Marina,
1: you just explained seasons.
0: (laughs) 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 But I'm just saying it's beautiful. I can like walk around naked now. In (laughs) the wintertime,
1: it's cold.
0: (laughs)
2: It's It's bare.
0: But it's just it's so beautiful. I can hear the birds and everything. And then they ruin it. The restaurant down with their chainsaws, music. Anyway, um, thank you so much. Follow me, Marina Franklin. Just go to my website, Marina I see Franklin. Why you and
2: Keith are friends.
0: Go to my website, <laughs> marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, there will be no music playing behind my building. Thank you very much. Check, check, us, check out. us
2: out.